You're listening to Episode 7 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and today we're taking a step back to talk about the next step for Dexter Fowler. Hi, friends, and welcome to the seventh Bryce Harperless episode of the show. Yes, that is how we're now keeping track of time this offseason. And uh, that is not looking like it's going to end anytime soon. Also, I know I sound like a broken record, but if you haven't yet subscribed to the Birds on the Black podcast, you should do that. And if you enjoy the show and you're so inclined, share it with a friend. It is the season of giving after all, right? Maybe? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about baseball. Alex, it was a banner week on twitter.com as far as off-season drama goes, but the moral of the story seems to be the odds on Harper packing up and heading to St. Louis sadly continue to shrink, even though, uh, to be fair, no one really seems to be in the driver's seat on the, the Bryce Harper front at this point. Yeah, uh, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, I don't think their chances are at 0%, but I really don't think they're much higher than like 5 to 10% either. But but what you said is interesting, because other than the Dodgers, there really hasn't been much scuttlebutt on like where he might end up. So there still could be a lot going on here, um, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. Man, I'm so curious to see how it does play out, both for Harper and Machado, because it sort of feels like those pieces are going to have to fall before much else does. And really, no one has taken... I mean, every other day we hear uh, so-and-so is close to a close to a deal with Bryce Harper, and it seems like it's a different team every time. So the the market seems to be dependent on those two guys. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as it has been since we started this show that is relevant to our topic today um, in some way, at least, but instead of sort of slowly winding our way toward today's main topic, I think we should just dive in guys. We're, we're going to talk about Dexter Fowler talking. I know, but it feels like anything else would be a little disingenuous after this week. And we really want to focus on Dexter Fowler, the baseball player, but before we get to that, and Alex, forgive me if this takes a minute, I want to acknowledge this larger discussion around Fowler the last few days, not to, you know, throw shade at anybody or stir up more drama, but because I think it's, I think it's an important conversation and it's, it's way more important ultimately than the baseball stuff, but don't worry, we'll get to that in a minute. So Derek Gould wrote a piece over the weekend that was revealing and honest and really a little bit heartbreaking about all that the Fowlers went through last year. And this is not the first time that Dexter has used the word depression to describe some of those struggles last year. And the response online this time was not any better than it was the first time around. Um, I know everyone has something to say about this right now. And Kyle Reese shared about it on on Prospects After Dark. Cards Cards and Eric Manning both wrote, wrote really powerful personal pieces over at Birds on the Black. This isn't about baseball. This is really ultimately about humanity. Now, I realize we have to be careful. No one should be flinging the word depression around all willy-nilly. But here's the thing. If someone says that they're fighting it, I really think we should believe them. Just because you don't understand their battle doesn't mean 
that they aren't battling it. I also think it's important to recognize that all of us, myself included, can only see the world really through the lens of our own lives, right? So here's what I see. I don't know depression from having lived through it, but I spent years of my life living with someone who did. Everything about life on the surface would have led you to believe that this person's life was great, they had it all, but internally everything was falling apart. And from my perspective, it affected every single element of their life, their relationships, their job, their happiness, their motivation, their physical well-being. And it couldn't be controlled. It owns you. And it's also hard on the people who are around the person who's depressed because there's nothing that they can do to actually make it better. They just watch this person that they know and love essentially disappear and hope that someday they come back. And that is terrifying. And there's no amount of money or fame or prestige that can change that. So I don't know Dexter Fowler personally, and I cannot confirm or deny what he really went through last season. I don't know Aaliyah Fowler personally, but I do know what it's like to watch someone fight this. And you kind of feel like you have to fight for them, even though you know it's actually not helping. So in general, Dexter Fowler is not Bryce Harper. We all know that. But he's also not a machine. He's a human being, a real life person with real life battles. And even if you and I get frustrated by his performance, consider this my plea that we all be respectful of his humanity because this is bigger than baseball will ever be. And look, I know all of this sounds dramatic and heavy and that's not really what we do here. And Alex, I'm sorry that took so long, but it feels really important to continue this dialogue and this conversation. And what we've seen in the last week has been really hard to to watch, hard to digest. And I know so many people who are so affected by it personally that I just I feel like it's really important to to share those stories so that we can all see each other's humanity in it all and realize that this isn't just a thing that that people make up to use as an excuse. And and we should all be mindful of that. No, I, I think that was very well said. I don't have really anything to add other than um the the social media posts the that I that I think you're kind of responding to right now um, I, I think some of those people who are making those need to really take a step back and figure out uh, maybe you're taking all of this a little too seriously and maybe baseball you know this is this all of this is not as important in the grand scheme as these people seem to think it is. If these are some of the replies that, you know, that they think are acceptable to be throwing around on, on online and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, just people just need to be nicer to each other. Absolutely. Maybe that should be our, our new year's resolution just in general. It's just be nicer to people because you really, you really don't know what people are going through. And a lot of people don't share it. A lot of people don't make it public, but everyone's fighting something. And to be specific, what I'm talking about, just in case someone wasn't following along this week is there was a lot of people who were saying things like no one who makes that much money should be depressed, you know, blah, blah. I don't care if he's depressed, maybe try playing better. That's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Like just typical online garbage. And it's not just 
<laughs> it's not just fans who are making these kinds of say. I mean, I've heard people who are, you know, have platforms talking about this thing this week and and doing the same kind of harmful justification of, well, he can't struggle like quote, normal people struggle because he has money or he has this. And that's ne- that's missing the point entirely. And I think that's so problematic uh, as far as how these things are handled and how how they're discussed. Um, again, I don't I don't want to I don't want to dwell on this because we can't fix it for anyone. But I do think it's important that we all sort of take a step back and realize that that this is potentially something much bigger than baseball for Dexter and his family. And we should give them the the respect and the courtesy and the compassion to figure it out and, and not compound the problems by being unnecessarily negative. Yeah. And I'll also say it's very, very easy to, whether you want to criticize his play uh, or criticize his contract and do that in a way that's completely valid in a baseball sense without moving into this unnecessary territory that again like i don't know what's going on in people's brains that that's where they have to go to when yeah yeah yeah. you know there's there's certainly valid things to say and we're gonna probably talk about it now of of you know just how disappointing his play was last year whether or not you think it was a bad idea to give uh you know someone who i believe was what 31 at the time that contract blah 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 but yeah just people relax yeah, it's uh, take a step back, take a breath, maybe maybe log off the internet for a little while and uh, and try again when when you can be a little nicer um, to people that you've never met. Uh, some people will get the chance to meet Dexter Fowler um, because he has changed his plans, including a a, a wedding that he was planning oh to attend uh, in order to sign some autographs. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure you can sense the sarcasm in my voice, but let me be clear. This is one of the more absurd things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so I've never been to winter warm-ups, I, so I don't really know a ton about it. So I'm not like I'm not mocking the events at all. But give me a break! <laughs> like I, I have, um, if you don't mind, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, Please, I've I've talked enough already. <laughs> first off, it, there's this book called The Grind by Barry Servluga. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. He cut, he does the beat for the Nats for the Washington Post. Um, and it's about like a full baseball season. And more so than what happens like you know, during games and stuff, it kind of talks about like what goes on off the field, like with these guys' families. Like, for instance, if a guy gets traded, what does that mean? Like, where do they live? You know, you know things like that. And one thing I remember that really stuck out was Ian Desmond – when he was with the Nats, he and his wife had a had a young, I, I want to say a, a young boy at the time. And every home game, she would take him to the game. And that meant, you know, often staying up, you know, sometimes 10 or 11 o'clock, sometimes sleeping in the stadium in like the family room or whatever it is. Um, and that's just because he's gone half the baseball season. And that was one of the you know, when he's home, that's one of the best times they can be around, you know, like, you know, their, their dads or their husbands. And I think we forget that, like, these people have to, like, share their family members with, like, the fans and with the team because for half the year they're gone. And, you know, obviously I don't know the Fowlers or I don't know Dexter, I don't know his wife or anything like that, but I think it's fair to, to gather from, like, their social media that family means a ton to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
if I was a baseball player, you would have to drag me kicking and screaming in the offseason to go to these things. You really would. Because if I'm gone half this, if I'm basically gone half the year, especially when I, you know, he has what, like a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And, you know, that's when like a lot of fun things happen that you probably already feel guilty about missing. And then we're going to give him crap because during the off season, during January, when he lives all the way in Nevada, he's not attending this, you know, this winter warm up thing because it happens to also fall on the same weekend as a wedding for what a, a friend of his. Yeah. Did we ever figure out who it was? Uh, was just it, a friend. Yeah. A friend. Okay. In Mexico or something. Yeah. Which just to just to add to this real quick, I have a friend getting married in Mexico next year, and you cannot just fly in and out. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I've been trying to book tickets for this event for months, and it's it's complicated because of when you can fly it. So, Dex, I feel your pain. <laughs> no, yeah, not only that. Like I, I would, and again, I don't want to project anything on his family because I again I don't know them, but I can't imagine how just annoyed I would be if I was his wife, who's like, look, like this is a time when you're like at home with us. We're going to go have this fun weekend, I assume in Mexico, see some friends, stuff like that. And now we have to, in the middle of what January fly to the Midwest. So you can sign some autographs for a bunch of fans who are mad at you anyways, because you, they didn't hit as well. You didn't hit as well as they wanted you to last season. I mean, the whole thing is just absurd. I feel embarrassed. I hope he's not, all that upset that he has to go. I hope he really does kind of want to go because otherwise I just feel awful for him because I think the whole thing, as you said, is just completely absurd. If it was me, I would just be like, as I said, you'd have, I'd have to be kicking and screaming to go to these things. Right. And and as far as the whole, well, he's doing something for the Cubs thing. Look, I get that on the surface, it might look bad. He's doing a Cubs event, not a Cardinals event. But that's that's such a surface level um, assessment of this, right? And the fact is, he is a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, and that will never change. He's totally. always going to be asked to make appearances for the World Series Chicago Cubs. It's just a thing that we're going to have to deal with. <laughs> so everyone needs to just accept that part of it. And And I don't... I get I get rivalries, I do, but this to me is not an area where, especially knowing the circumstances, you draw a hard line and make that the sticking point. And can we also note that this event was not on the same weekend as or week, whatever, as either the wedding or the winter warm-up. Like he wasn't choosing he he wasn't choosing to go to this Cubs thing over winter warm-up. Yeah. Right? And Another point I'll make about this is, as you said, he won a World Series with the Cubs, their first World Series in 108 years. It was a huge freaking deal. And he was like a key cog of that team. Like they haven't really been able to replace him since. So it's not, I'm not saying it's like he was like the David Freeze of that team. He wasn't like, you know, I don't think he was that symbolic of that team or anything like that. But he, you know, he hit a home run to lead off game seven. Yeah. He was their leadoff hitter the whole year and he was very damn good at it. And another thing I'll say is he probably also looked at it as an opportunity to see a bunch of old friends that he doesn't get to see as often anymore because he no longer plays on the same team with them. So he's like, yeah, that sounds fun. I would love to do that. Especially, like I said, knowing the circumstances, seeing it all laid out, it doesn't seem like it should be the issue that it was. However, I will say this, and then we'll sort of move into the baseball stuff, because it seems like it is very important 
to the Fowlers to try to right this ship in every way possible, right? So they want to kind of establish that re- relationship with the fans that they that hasn't been there. He wants to make up for lost time because of the injury and because of all the things that were going on with him last year. Um, and he's opted to, as far as we can tell, miss his friend's wedding to be there because it's important to the fan base and because it's important to their family to sort of change this story. Can I interrupt real quick? Of course. I just thought of something. How annoyed also would you be if you're the friend getting married and you're like, yay, my my friend Dexter Fowler, cool Dexter Fowler from Major League Baseball is going to be there. This will be cool. Oh, never mind. He's not coming to my wedding because a bunch of fans complain. Especially if you're close enough friends that he scheduled the wedding during the off season so that you could be there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes. However, I was told on the internet this week that uh, his friends benefit from his financial situation, so they'll be fine with it. Ah, okay. So, you know, that's, that's how that, that's how friendship works. Um, (laughs) But anyway, it's, it's clear that it's important to him to try to make this whole thing, not just go away, but to try to make it really work both on the field and off. And I think that's ultimately where we can sort of draw a line and say, okay, look, last year happened. It wasn't great on the field. That's, that is what it is. He was one of the worst players in baseball last year based on um, what he provided the team in the limited opportunities that he had. Although a lot of people will say it was more opportunity than he should have had, but nonetheless um, he wants to kind of put that all in the past, put the whole drama with the, the, the fan base in the past and, and, start over. And I think if anything, it looks like Bryce Harper is not going to be a Cardinal. And this is a chance for Dexter Fowler to start over to make a case for himself on and off the field. And, um, you know, it's, it's ultimately going to start with what he does in spring training, right? Yeah, I think that'll be a good test. I don't know to see, you know, spring training so hard to, to gauge in terms of what's happening. Is this important? Is this not important? But certainly that seems like a good time to just kind of have a peek into how he's hitting the ball. How how well he's seeing the ball, really. Because I think that's been the one thing that's been missing since he came to St. Louis is how well his plate discipline always was, um, you know, drawing walks and stuff like that. And, and, you know, 2017, he he still had a pretty solid season, especially from a a slugging standpoint. I believe a career high, right? But he, he doesn't seem to be you know, having the same walk rate as he as he had in years past. So I think that'll be something worth looking out for. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at it. And actually, in, in 2018, his strikeout rate was the same as it was in 2016, when he had, um, you know, basically the, the, the best overall season of his career, it seems like. And it was though it was the walks, it was the walks and and some of the hard contact that just disappeared in 2018. Derek Gould's piece talked about how his exit velocity was down and, and his foot speed was down and all of those things. Um, and that's all what people are going to be looking at, right? They're going to be looking at um, his contact rate, which I think it'll be interesting to see him work with, with uh, Jeff Albert um, on some of these things as well. They're going to be looking at that on base percentage, which has been sort of his bread and butter for most of his career. And something that quite honestly, the Cardinals have been lacking in, I guess, in the top two spots outside of Matt Carpenter, whichever one he's hitting in at the time. Um, But if he can regain some of that kind of, reestablish career norms 
with his on-base percentage um, and maybe not hit so many weak ground balls like we saw in 2018, he can play a really valuable part, a really legitimate uh, role on this team that I think people kind of want to overlook because he's not Bryce Harper. So maybe if we can kind of step back and, and stop comparing directly to what Bryce Harper could be, what feels like a reasonable expectation for Dexter Fowler? Because, I mean, to a lot of people's point, he's he's not getting any younger. <laughs> um, the rebound at this stage of his career may look a little different than it would have when he was 26, perhaps. But it, it's hard to say after one bad year, even as bad as it was, that he can never return to a level that's valuable. So I think the the question is, what does that look like for Dexter Fowler in 2019? Yeah, so he'll be in his age 33 season. And, you know, as we saw in 2017, he kind of found a power stroke, which isn't unheard of for a guy kind of settling into this stage of his career. Um, you know, look at not a perfect comparison, but look at Matt Carpenter, look at Yadier Molina. You know, they all found, you know, power, a little bit more power later in their careers. Um, it also coincided with a lot, a lot of people hitting home runs. So maybe that has something to do with it as well. One thing I found interesting is that. 2016 with the Cubs, which is probably undoubtedly his, his best year in the majors, and he kind of used that as the, the springboard uh, to the contract with the Cardinals, is he only swung at 39% of pitches, and that was easily a career low. Before that, he was usually at like a uh, 42 or 43% swing rate, and that's what it kind of went back up to when he was with the Cardinals. Um, and I wonder if being just a little more patient at the play, you know, again, assuming he's seeing the ball well and everything, um, if that would coincide with kind of the high on base, um, if he can be a, you know, a pivotal leadoff guy, which is kind of, I think, what we had in mind when we signed him. Um, the other side of that coin, I, I guess, is that in 2017, when he was swinging at more pitches, he also found, you know, he was he was hitting a lot more balls in the seat, you know, he was hitting more home runs. And, you know, that's kind of like the trade-off there. So it, it's almost like, you know, which Dexter Fowler do you prefer? I would probably prefer the 2016 Cubs version, obviously. Um, but if we could just get something close to 2017, whether he's getting on base, you know, 350, 360, slugging around, I don't know, you know, 470, 480, I'd be pretty satisfied with that, frankly. Yeah, yeah, I would too. And I think I lean more towards the Dexter Fowler that gets on base at a high percentage versus the extra power, primarily because of the other guys in the lineup, right? You've got guys in the lineup who can hit for power. The Cardinals hit a lot of home runs last year. They didn't hit a lot of home runs with guys on base. So if you want the Dexter Fowler that seems to provide the most benefit to this lineup if he's hitting in front of some of those more natural power guys, it makes a lot of sense to have him really focus in on what he's done so well. And that's getting on base. Yeah. The power's fun and and it makes the numbers look a little more snazzy at the end of the season, but I don't know that that's where he can generate the most value for this lineup. Um, and I, I guess that sort of leads right into talking about the lineup and everyone's talking about it right now with Paul Goldschmidt and, and where he fits into the order. And of course where Bryce Harper would, I'm sorry, we're not talking about Bryce Harper in this episode. We're talking about Dexter Fowler and where he fits because that seems to be where the Cardinals are focused at this point. And um, I know you mentioned it last week, you would kind of like to see him back in that leadoff spot, which to me would, uh, lead me to believe that you're you you prefer the on-base version of Dexter Fowler as well. <laughs> I do and 
I, I think a lot of people probably thought I was crazy for saying that. And so it comes with a caveat, obviously, which is that he's kind of back to his, you know, 2017 self, because even that version got on base at like 360. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's, uh, got, you know, what he hit 18 home runs or, or whatnot. Like, yeah, I'm fine having that at leadoff. And, and I think another reason why I would like him at leadoff is that's why we signed him in the first place. Mm-hmm. If we're going to try to get as much value out of this contract as possible, then I don't think it's too far-fetched to still envision him being that guy. It won't take the sting off of missing Bryce Harper. And I want to be clear that it's still ridiculous to me that, you know, I, and I'm probably as big as Dexter Fowler apologist out there as there is, but they should still absolutely be pursuing Bryce Harper. And I think you feel the same way. So I just want to make sure we're on the record with that, that we love Dexter Fowler, but that has nothing to do with whether or not they should be pursuing uh, uh, Bryce Harper. But yeah, I it's probably wishful thinking on my part to think he can bat lead off at this point after how bad he was last season. But I sure would like to see, you know, Carpenter or Goldschmidt in that two spot instead. Um, preferably Goldschmidt, maybe Carpenter at three, Ozuna at four. I think that's a very interesting lineup. And man, if if Fowler's hitting well, this lineup looks a lot, lot better than it does with him, you know slid all the way down to seven or eight. The second caveat to that is that Matt Carpenter can actually hit outside of the leadoff spot, which is something we haven't talked about. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I know where we both stand. And that is that another argument that I I find um, the sample size that that people use to support it is a bit misleading, I would say, because there are plenty of other circumstances that led to Carpenter's struggles or the reasons he ended up back in the leadoff spot in the first place. One other thing, um, because I'm fascinated by this new deserved runs created stat, um, actually 2017 was the second highest deserved runs created of Dexter Fowler's career. It was at 120, Mm. averages 100, much like weighted runs created plus. Um, I said that to say... I don't even necessarily need him to return to 2016 glory for it to be a successful version of Dexter Fowler. The 2017 version would be just fine with me because I think that gives you a lot more options with what you can do with the rest of this lineup. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they mix and match in the outfield, especially if Jose Martinez is still around, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider the defense that you're going to be looking for out there. Uh, there's a there's a lot of questions in the mix there. Um, I do want to say this before we wrap up on on Dexter this week. With all of the drama, with all of the attention now shifted to Dexter Fowler is our right fielder, especially with the comparisons to Bryce Harper, does this put an absolutely unimaginable amount of pressure on him this season? It does. I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think the front office, and I don't know if I don't think this is like being done willingly or I don't think there's anything nefarious about it, but I don't think they've done him any favors this week with some of the comments, you know, in response to Harper questions, making it sound like, well, no, we can't get him because we have Dexter Fowler. And so, yeah, I think it puts a lot of pressure on him. And some of these same fans that we were talking about earlier, I'm sure will be the first ones to gripe in his direction if Harper goes elsewhere and has a normal Harper year and Dexter Fowler has not a Harper year because he's not (laughs) Bryce Harper. Yeah. It it seems to me like the um, restored trust narrative or whatever it is could almost backfire 
if Dexter Fowler doesn't immediately respond and immediately rebound. That said, everything you read about the guy from people who know him far better than you and I do is that he's a he's a competitor and he's more motivated um, than ever, or at least as motivated as ever to make the results on the field match the work that he's doing off the field. So hopefully he takes that approach to it, especially coming off of whatever the, the, the mental stress was from last season Um, again in baseball and out of it. uh, I really hope that this isn't adding to that in any way. Yeah. The uh, that was to me, one of the big takeaways from Gould's article is how how I guess focused he is. And he, he mentioned it several times, meaning Fowler mentioned several times in the article that he's uber competitive. And I think people might not realize that and don't often realize that with a player who I guess seems to be smiling a lot, like, like he is to be, I, I don't know what the right word is. Um, he doesn't quite have that. He's not the Chris know. Carpenter, a bulldog. Yeah, competitive yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a perfect uh, kind of, uh, a comparison and because of that people I think assume like you know he doesn't care as much or something like that and I, I think that's not the case at all so I thought I thought that was kind of an overlooked part of Gould's article that was a really good really good takeaway from it yeah yeah I think there's so much about that story that to me just proved how much he really does care and how much he really does want it and how much he's really putting in the work to back that up which is not what a lot of people without that sort of insider knowledge we're saying about him last year. And I think probably unfairly so. So I hope, obviously, as you mentioned, we've talked a lot about how Bryce Harper seems to be the the best play for the Cardinals right now. But I think outside of that, maybe what I want more from this season than anything else is for Dexter Fowler to have this great rebound season because, because of the struggle that it's been the last couple of years to for him to really – make a stamp on St. Louis in a positive mm-hmm. way. <laughs> Tara, if you don't have anything else to say about Fowler, I think I've pretty much said what I need to say because uh, mostly I just wanted to talk about how ridiculous the winter warm-up thing was. Um, and I think we <laughs> we got to that. So if you want to go ahead and do this week's Chirp of the Week, go for it. All right. Well, I will start off with the Chirp of the Week talking about Dexter Fowler because In all that went on last year, I think one of the very lasting memories from 2018 was his walk-off in the 14th inning against the Cubs on, what was it, May 7th. Now, full disclosure, I mostly think about that weekend as the Colton Wong walk-off series, but Dexter's was also pretty great. So then... I was thinking about that as far as Fowler's concerned. Alex reminded me that this week, Wednesday, is Tom Lawless's birthday. He'll be 62, so happy birthday to him. And, of course, he has one of the most iconic home runs, home run celebrations in Cardinals history, mostly because of that epic over-the-shoulder bat flip. So the bat flip game, game four of the 1987 World Series against the Twins, is what I want to talk about. However... Alex mentioned this to me as we were planning for the show, and I I love this idea of Cardinals who had this amazing moment that cements their legacy, regardless of whatever else happened in their career. But I wasn't actually born yet when this moment happened. So I went ahead and did a little research, was reading some of the stories written about it, um, and figured I'd share a little bit about that just for some context outside of the bat flip. Okay, so Tom Lawless 
was not actually very good. <laughs> um, he joined the Cardinals in 1984. In 87, he played in only 19 regular season games, had a total of 29 plate appearances, uh, a minus 3.8 offensive war, according to fan graphs. Okay, so then he made the start in game four of the World, World Series because Terry Pendleton was hurt, and that's how he got the start. So the at-bat, where he hit the home run, I heard him talking about it in an interview that he did on air with Danny Mack and, and Rick Horton. Um, and he was talking about how it was a 2-0 fastball. And the, the thing that set up the home run was the fact that he finally didn't swing at the two change-ups he knew he was going to get before that, which was a suggestion by, I think, Jack Clark, he said in the interview. And then he hit the home run, which was his second ever home run in the big leagues. He only had three in his entire career. That's regular season and postseason. And then, of course, the Cardinals went on to win that game that tied the series at two games apiece. But most notably in that at bat, not only the improbable home run, but the bat flip. This past January, MLB.com published their top 50 bat flips of all time. And Mr. Lawless still holds the top spot for that bat flip in their rankings, which I think is incredible. But Alex, I was thinking about this and we sort of talked about this before as well, that, you know, there are these players who seem so iconic in Cardinals history, but it's not because of their careers. It's because of one moment, right? So I think in some ways you can say that about David Freeze, his World Series, maybe it wasn't one moment, but that series or that postseason is not really a microcosm of his whole career. It was certainly the peak. Um, I would tend to think about Matt Adams specifically as it relates to the Clayton Kershaw home run, those sorts of things that stand out. So as we wrap this up, uh, again, happy birthday to Tom Lawless. We will always <laughs> appreciate that that moment and that bat flip. Um, but is there anyone else that stands out for you in, in Cardinals history because of that one iconic moment. I would have to say Pete Cosma, right? Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> I, I, Pete Cosma is is known pretty well as a guy who just could not hit. I mean, he had that one season where he didn't get a single, you know, he played almost the whole season and got a lot of plate appearances and didn't have a single extra base hit. Um, yeah. So you can choose to kind of remember that Pete Cosma, but I will always choose to remember the Pete Cosma in game five of the 2012 NLDS. Um, it, it didn't hurt that I was there. Um, so yeah, that's one of the great things about baseball is they play so many games and you don't have to be a good player to have a great moment. And so, you know, if you want to be glass half full, glass half empty, I'm a glass half, I'm a glass half full person. I'm going to remember the good things like that. And that is a moment that will live, uh, perhaps in infamy in Cardinals history. I don't know. Pete Cosma is a pretty, um, you either love him or you hate him and, and, Anyone, regardless of where you stand on Pete Cosma and his career, will remember that moment forever. So hopefully there are more great moments made in 2019. I selfishly hope several of them belong to Dexter Fowler. But that'll do it for us this week. So thanks for tuning in again. Like I said, we'd love it if you would share the show with a friend. The more the merrier, right? And you can follow both of us on Twitter. He's AlexCard79. I'm at Tara Wellman. Make sure you're following Birds on the Black as well because we are in the home stretch for the Beanie Giveaway. The contest will close on Christmas Eve so we can have the winners selected to announce them alongside the next episode of Chirps on December 26th. You'll be able to find a list of the winners at birdsontheblack.com. 
So from us to you, we wish you the merriest of Christmases and whatever celebratory events you may have going on this week. And we'll talk to you next week.